the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. Love Never Fails. Inviting you to join in the fight for love. There are millions of people who are trapped in modern day slavery. Take a stand to do something against this injustice. Join the fight against human trafficking. If you truly love, set the captives Each week, this program sheds light on the needs of vulnerable people in our community who are impacted by human trafficking, homelessness, addiction, and abuse, and celebrates the work of those who are meeting them right where they are and expressing to them that they are precious, valued, and loved. Our goal is to see this radio audience move to compassion demonstrated in acts of service, generosity, and gifts of time. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell. Thanks and welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. My name is Vanessa Russell and I'm your host today. We have with us a special guest, Kia Duple, who is uh, just going to tell us about her experience as a survivor leader, um, who, someone who was trafficked from Oakland to Los Angeles at the age of 15. Um, and just really had some very just traumatic experiences from 15 to 25 in Los Angeles, but was able to escape and make her way um, out of this horrible experience and establish her new nonprofit, Free to Dream Big, where she is the executive director and is dedicating her life to raising awareness about anti-trafficking, about how to keep people safe, both at the state, as at the state, national, and global level. Welcome to the show, Kia. Thank you. Um, so yeah, that was the introduction. Um, my my name is Kia Duclay. I was definitely trafficked from the age of fifteen um, to right before my 25th birthday, so a week before my 25th birthday. Um, so, yeah, 10 years of my life, um, I was in the game from one trafficker to another. Um, also experienced being in foster care, um, homelessness, youth homelessness to adult homelessness, um, which definitely impacted my vulnerability of being trafficked. Um, and then, yeah, uh Got Section 8, took that as an opportunity to go to school, started getting work experience. I started off as a survivor advocate um, and worked my way up to program director. That's when I decided that I wanted to open my own organization, um, survivor-led organization. And then, yeah, that's how Free to Dream Big was created. Um, a lot of times in my transition, a lot of people told me that my dreams were too big, that I couldn't accomplish all these things. Um, and I was like, 
who are they to tell me that I can't do something? Um, and so that's where Free to Dream Big was really originated from. It's like, I want to be able to have the freedom to dream as big as I want to, no barriers, no one telling me no. Um, and I always use an example with the participants that I work with is like, if you want to become Spider-Man, like, let's figure <laughs> out how to make webs. Let's figure out how to help you climb the, the, win, the tallest building or, you know, do dream as big as you want to, and then figure out the steps on how to make it attainable. Now, of course, I don't think we can make people Spider-Man, but being like, let's let's figure out like the steps that make you dream as big as you want to nothing is too big in my world nothing is too small in my world and um really understanding that being a survivor um that experience is simply an experience it doesn't make or break the person um behind it and after the trafficking experience like people can live and thrive and have um really great and successful lives so yeah yeah, I love that, too. Um, you know, oftentimes what we talk about is so tragic when we're talking about the experience that we lose sight of the all the beautiful, um, you know, things that can be achieved even now, you know, and uh, and and I've had many people um, ask me questions. Oh, you know, oh, well. What, you know, what will people do now? And I'm like, they'll do exactly what you're doing. You know, they'll they'll live their lives and they'll they might need extra care and support, especially initially. Um, but um, they will they will prevail. And um, I'm so grateful to be here with you and, uh, you know, kind of watch you and hear from you as you're doing this. Uh, important work and being such a courageous example for so many people. I want to ask you a couple of questions. So thinking back, you know, to your 15 year old self, you said that you were vulnerable, you know, and you, you had um, spent some time um, in the foster care system and, you know, and you were homeless. Was that before you were trafficked or, or after, um, I too, you know, was in foster care and I was just curious, you know, those vulnerabilities, uh, people don't always know what, you know, what that looks like. And so perhaps you could yeah. paint a picture of what, what, what made you vulnerable to being groomed? Um, yeah. So in my situation, um, I was actually taken from a bus stop when I was 15 um, by my first trafficker and Prior to that, I wasn't in foster care. Um, I was bouncing around um, and didn't really have stable housing like that. So I kind of was figuring it out on my own. Um, but I didn't actually get become a system impacted youth or become a foster youth um, until after I was trafficked. And so um, I got I went to juvenile hall back when juvenile hall was actually used as a placement. Um, I was identified as a CSEC youth and somehow I didn't really understand a lot that was going on in the courtroom. Like they were speaking language above my head. Um, and so I just knew that I was going to a group home. Um, and then once I got into a group home, I thought it was going to be like a stable place to live. I thought it was going to be like, um, 
like a home and it wasn't um and a lot of the girls that I was placed with actually were CSEC youth as well um and didn't really have the intentions of staying away from their trafficker and I always tell the story about how um there was one day where the group home staff were they were eating Jamaican food and they wanted us to eat top ramen noodles and we ran away as a group home and we ran to one of the girls traffickers and that like I think that to me shows like how vulnerable I was in the system. Not only yeah. was there peer pressure involved, but like we weren't being treated the best in in that in that group home. And then also it was like, you know, there's an opportunity in the the meal that he was offering us was McDonald's. It wasn't like an extravagant steak and lobster or anything like that. It was just McDonald's, and for me that was enough. Um, that was much better than top ramen noodles. And so um, not only being homeless as a youth made me vulnerable, but actually once I got into the foster care system, I was still vulnerable, if not more vulnerable, um, because there was an there was an additional layer. I was around a lot of youth um, that were still with their traffickers while in placement. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, one thing like what I heard from you there, it's not even so much that the top ramen was that much worse than the McDonald's. But the fact that you wouldn't share your Jamaican food made, right. made I'm sure you feel so unwanted. Right. right. Um, Just being yeah. emotionally wanted. Right. Yeah, I mean, that was a that was definitely an aspect of it, um, like feeling like, you know, we weren't worth having a good meal. Um, and then like the McDonald's was just better. I mean, after a while, you just be like, oh, I'm sick of noodles or I'm sick of frozen burritos. Um, and so I think I was at a point where I was just like tired of it. I was eating it staying there every day um and then they come in with this meal that smells so good it's like going across the whole house and I mean as a kid like the little as a teenager things just irritate you and make you upset but then like an additional factor of like someone eating a good food a good meal in your face and like not offering you any when you ask for some it's like met with attitude and this person comes along and they're like well, I have a better alternative for you. And I got this like this better thing and they make it look so good. And it was really McDonald's. It wasn't that good. And so right. like there yeah. was a lot of layers to that for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think, you know, what I'm beginning to realize uh, or I've, I've realized is that oftentimes at the core of, of everything that, you know, the grooming process, it's this, it's mm-hmm. this, longing for for value for love for uh to be seen to be told i want you here you know um and um gosh it's um you know it, it is a trick right especially when it's done in that context but the longing is real so um we're going to come right back and we're going to hear some more from kia thank you so much for listening to love never fails radio For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. 
Starting this week, Operation Christmas Child will host Project Leader and Kickoff Countdown events throughout the Bay Area. Come learn how this program collects Christmas gift boxes from your churches, businesses, and community and distributes them to children in need worldwide. These boxes are filled with toys, school supplies, and hygiene products by people like you who want to make a difference in children overseas and their lives. Who These are children who may have never received a new gift before. Did you know that since 1993, nearly 540,000 volunteers worldwide have delivered over 209 million gifts to children in over 170 countries? In 2023, Operation Christmas Child uh, would like to reach another 11 million children in their 30th year of ministry. At their events, you'll be able to meet regional team members and learn how to work with others in your community to make a gift box and spread the word. Learn how children hear the gospel and become disciples of Christ. At some of their events, a guest speaker who has received a gift box will share their touching and personal testimony. And so you want to mark your calendar September 23rd in San Jose. Join in or visit SamaritanPurse.org forward slash OCC for time, date, and location information and click on the Project Leader Weekend picture. Uh, Excited for you to get involved in this wonderful ministry and so grateful that Love Never Fails can do our part to promote the love that is being provided to so many children across our world. Merry Christmas! Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio today with Akia Duplay, who is sharing her experience as a survivor that was trafficked from Oakland to Los Angeles at the age of 15. One of the things in your bio, Kia, that you shared um, is that you were often characterized as a troubled youth. And um, and I want to talk a little bit about that. So I just want the listening audience to know that and, you know, you're you're in um, mostly in Southern California. So it wasn't until October 21st, 2015, when Sheriff Jim McDonald announced that he had instructed his staff to stop arresting children who were being exploited. Up until then, and until some several bills that were implemented, children could still be referred to as prostitutes, which is um, is a label that is, is associated with the penal code, which means that you are breaking the law by selling sex. And it's a very ironic association because the child is innocent and the child cannot consent to sex legally. So how could a child consent to selling sex? In fact, the child is a victim of child rape. And so as that narrative began to be reshaped and people began to think further into what they were saying, there began to be a little more, um, just a, a better story being told about the trauma, the, the, the so-called troubled children that were in juvenile hall or in homes. Tell me about that, Kia. Tell me how that was for you. It's a personal experience that you went through. What was that like? 
Um, so yeah, I was definitely labeled a trouble teen. Um, and I laugh because like I wasn't troubled. Um, but once you become a CSEC youth, like people have to remember that like the paperwork precedes the the child. Um so foster parents, group homes, they don't get to meet the child first they see what's on their paperwork first um and so that was one of the labels that i had um it definitely took a lot of homes off the table for me which i was the most successful in a family setting um versus a group home and i knew that that label was put on me because they openly talked about it in front of me um and so because of my csec experience because i did run away a couple times um because of the treatment at the group home like i said we all ran or went ran away as a group home together um like there was just a lot of aspects that went into it um i was a teenager so i didn't have the best attitude in the world um and so like i think a lot of times like my my teenageness um in my natural like moods and like the additional factors of me being like going of me going through as much trauma as I went through of me like having to experience all that I, I was going through and then still having to figure out how to cope and like go to school and like still thrive in life um made me even more emotional and made me even more impacted and so I was constantly labeled as a troubled teen um and I mean it was it was hurtful to say the least um it definitely I knew that it impacted where I lived um I knew that it was taking a lot of like families off the table for me like I could have probably went to a a foster home if they didn't refer to me as these things if they didn't put the labels that they put on me um i probably would have had a stronger support system um in the beginning straight off the bat um i think me being arrested and put in the juvenile hall um as a placement because despite the law being what the law is it's like if they don't have anywhere for you to go they're going to try to find the safest place for you and sometimes the safest place for in their minds is a juvenile hall place because if nobody is taking you because of these labels then where are you going to go um and i think in my situation it was like that was a, a a level of protection for me um but it was also like when i got released from juvenile hall that still followed me um mm. and so it still like it still hindered everywhere where I, everywhere i went um and people didn't know that i was a straight a student prior to me being trafficked right. people didn't know that i played an orchestra i played multiple instruments violin the viola the cello the bass i was loved wow. strings before i went and was trafficked a lot of people do not know that like i had a passion for like motorcycles and stem and engineering and like people didn't know the the real me because my paperwork said something otherwise and so instead of treating me like uh, the person that i was they treated me like what my paperwork said that i was and i started to unhealthily unhealthily um adapt to those things that were put those on labels. me so mm. if they said that i was angry 
I'm going to be the angriest person. If they said you had attitude, I'm going to give you attitude. If they said that I was troubled, I'm going to be troubled. Um, and I'm going to act out these things that you're already seeing that I, I am. And I didn't notice it when I was younger, but now that I'm older and I've processed things, it was like, that was my way of having control over my life. Um, and even though it wasn't the right way to go, I didn't even, I didn't know the other way. I didn't know alternatives. I didn't, I didn't have access to good therapy because of my, my insurance, um, because I was bounced around. I was constantly going from one school to another school. It was just, it was a lack of stability and all these labels just made it worse. So, yeah. Let me ask you a couple of questions about that. Cause I've often, I really had this inner conflict when it was, there's no such thing as a child prostitute and they changed the law so that you could not, um, I forget it. It was at 1388. Uh, I have to go and look at the bill number, but um, they, they, you know, made it so that law enforcement could not um, pick up uh, a child that was being trafficked um, and, um, you know, arrest because that's the way they would do it is through arrests. So because they're a victim, you can't pick them up. But then there was nowhere, no inner point of intervention. And there was also no other alternative to juvenile hall for them to go to. So what disturbed me at that time was, is, is it more humane to leave this child in the clutches of a pimp all on a blade in the middle of the night? Or is it more humane to bring them to juvenile hall um, perhaps without the arrest record, you know, some other vehicle, a hold, uh, something like that. I'm, I'm curious to hear what you think about that. <laughs> you asked some questions. Yeah. Um, honestly, to call a spade a spade, the system has so much money to really build out an alternative immediately. Um I don't think either either of those are the solution. Um, I think creating new pathways, like I know in Hayward, they had the assessment center um, and that worked like taking youth to the assessment center, maybe having like a unit that is for like teenagers because the assessment center was for kids. I know the multiple times when I went there, I was like, I'm not playing with any of these things. Um, but, but really making it like a teen centered uh, safe space. Um, and then I also think like being, being really thoughtful about where we're putting the money as a system. Um, this is, like I said, the system has the power to do so many things in an expedited way. I think a lot of times we just don't utilize that, that time that we have. Um, I don't think juvenile hall is the solution, but I also don't think that leaving youth out on the street is the solution either. Like if I could wave my wand, there would be an emergency response unit specifically for CSEC youth um, that are trauma informed, that has a survivor advocate on the team and constantly can respond in alternative to the police responding. Um, and can take them to like safe houses. Um, there's a lot of safe houses out in the Bay that I was fortunate enough to be able to go to and experience. And I think those places just need to be able to have the funding necessary to expand and um, go further. Like let, let's, let's 
let's put the money where things are working and stop like I mean I guess I don't I don't want to focus on the things that don't work because there's a mm-hmm. lot that don't work mm-hmm. no I yeah. appreciate what you're saying I think I think you're spot on and um I'm in agreement with you I mean it's both of those solutions leaving them out there and putting them in 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 juvenile hall are not not the right solutions and more exit services for uh for our babies out there is so key okay when we come back i want to talk a little bit more about race as a vulnerability to human trafficking and to get your insight on that i know i know i'm giving it all to you kia it's okay i can see you got it i can see you got it and then i also want to i want to I want to really drill down into your organization as well. So we'll be right back. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. Trash bills weighing you down? At Case Industries, we specialize in lowering waste costs and providing trash consolidation and compaction services for multifamily properties, condos, and commercial shopping centers. Let us help you reduce operating expenses and increase property NOI. Case Industries, saving the planet, saving you money. Contact us today for a property trash and recycling assessment online at caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. That's caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. Case Industries, the property manager's friend. Are you struggling to find peace in your life? Feeling anxious or going through a difficult life storm? Scott Dixon, a Christian humanitarian filmmaker and host of the Dove Teachings web series, wants you to know that you are not alone. Go to DoveTeachings.org to see great Dove Teaching lessons, pastor insights, and aspiring testimonies. You can watch the current show and more at DoveTeachings.org. That's D-O-V-E Teachings.org, where you will find peace in your daily life through the teachings of Jesus. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We are in the studio today and uh, speaking with Kia Duplay, who is, again, a survivor leader that was trafficked from Oakland to L.A. at the age of 15. Um, Just um, thank you so much for sharing the insight that you're bringing uh, to our listening audience today. I wanted to talk a little bit about a um, a study that was done. The Georgetown Law Center on Poverty and Inequality did a study um, about the views, perspectives on black girls um, ranging from five to 14 years old. This was done in 2014. And they found some very interesting data points. One was they found that there are some perceptions when they compare the the way that people think about black girls versus white girls of the same age. Um, There was a common theme that black girls need less nurturing, less protection, less support, less comfort. They're more independent. They know more about adult topics and they know more about sex topics. And um, if you're interested in looking up this report, it's called Girlhood Interrupted. Um, And I just found this report to be uh, extremely insightful and aligned with so many of the attitudes and the systems 
that I see put in place that are all too comfortable with keeping uh, young black girls in um, unhealthy situations in the name of, you know, kind of like this narrative that you were just talking about, but perspective, like, does that line up what you heard there for you? Um, do you, was that your experience? Like, how was this for you? So as a youth, I did not know that it aligned um, with me, but like, as I get older, um, so I talked to like some of my white, like friends and like, you know, my counterparts and I just, I've learned that it, it is very true. Um, and I'm glad I'm very lucky and blessed enough to have like chosen family, um, that I can have these open conversations with about race and about our upbringing. Um, I think we always find ourselves like chuckling and like laughing because like, they'll say like, Oh, Kia, do you know how to ride a bike? Or do you know how to do like these, like, have you ever went to this zoo or things like that? And I'm just like, no, (laughs) I've never done those things. Um, or they'll ask me like, have I played these family games or things like that? And I'm just like, no, like, what is this? Um, and so I find myself as an adult, like teaching myself how to like unlock that childhood that I never got. And like, as I sit back and I look, um, oftentimes I see like our, our young black youth, our young black and brown youth, um, they are forced to grow up faster. Um, whether that be like the areas that they're raised in, whether that be like, I know for me, I had to raise my younger sibling, um, like while my, my mom was going through a depression. So I had to step up and like, you know, take on that role. I had to make sure he was in school, fixing breakfast, making sure that he was clothed and like stepping to those roles of a parent, not even realizing as a kid, just feeling like I was obligated to do such, um, in order to keep my family together. And then it still ended up falling apart. Um, not realizing that like when I walked down the street, like certain predators looked at me as like, Oh, she's, she's a target. Um, just because of the color of my skin, just because of my youth and like all those things, all those factors that came into to play. Um, understanding, like it even goes into like, black and brown youth are considered angrier or like, you know, and then I see it in my adult years and they're like, Oh, that's just the angry black chick. We always talk about this. And I'm like, how do I, how do I change who I am? And how do I, I always like, okay. So I step back and have this conversation with my friend, like, (laughs) what am I doing to be this angry person? Like, is this my childhood coming out? Is this trauma? Is this what, what is it? And she was like, you just can't change the person that you are you can't change the color of your skin when you walk into a room like people just see you as a certain way um and the youth that I work with I always just tell them like you know you own your space feel understand that you have the autonomy to say no you have the autonomy to choose like really empowering them young um to let them know like stand your ground now and there's nothing wrong with that no you're not the angry black girl in the room no you're not sassier than the next person no just because of whatever you look like it doesn't it doesn't 
give people the right to talk to you a certain way. It doesn't give people the right to look at you a certain way. It doesn't give people the right to cross your boundaries. It doesn't give people the right to do any of those things. Um, and I wish I would have known that earlier. Um, and I wish the study would have, would have came around earlier because I was an <laughs> avid reader. Um, yeah. And so I would have, I would have known like very young that just because the world looked at me a certain way didn't mean that I had to abide by those things. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely see the study to be true, um, unfortunately. Mm. Um, and I don't think our youth, our, our youth don't learn that young. They, they yeah. don't learn until they get older, until some people don't learn until they're like in their 50s, 60s, like later, later in life. And so, um, yeah, it's unfortunate, but so true. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, um, growing up in an impoverished household, poverty uh, uh, creates the adultification of children. And I will say that again, poverty creates the adultification of children. So it's no surprise that the most impoverished people groups are the ones where the, the children are the most adultified. And the children that are most adultified are the most sexualized. And, and, and so there's no kind of like, like, oh my gosh, you know, 60% of those that are being trafficked in our nation are black and Latino girls and women, cisgender girls and women, right? And it's no, it's no, like, there's no shocker in that because there's a direct correlation between every other marker that indicates that this 40% of the population is black girls and women and 20, 24% of the population is uh, Latino girls and women. So, you know, uh, it's, it, it shouldn't surprise us that these attitudes have been kind of have perpetuated. Right. And so, um, but it's still, a, it's still hurtful, right. It still hurts. It really does. And um, and for me, uh, when I look at you, you're so beautiful. You're so, uh, you know, you're glowing. Uh, you have all these things to offer STEM and an and avid writer and an artist and, a, you know, a musician and and a speaker. And, you know, but if people just give in to their biases, they'll never know. They'll never know that they have this gem of a person in front of them. And uh, so, you know, it's it's a good it's a good thing for us to get here front and center so that we can we can start to think differently about everybody, quite frankly, that we meet. So we're going to come back. I want to hear more about this amazing organization that you have started um, and what you are doing to um, a little bit more because you already told us some of it about Free to Dream Big. So we'll be right back. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. This is Dr. Miluna Fausch. I am honored to serve on the advisory board of Love Never Fails, where each voice matters as lives are restored. Thank you for your support. Let's face it, you are making a pitch for something every day. Your verbal communication skills are the key to your professional and personal success. 
My company, Pitch Perfect Presentations, trains executives, management teams, and startups in delivering consistent, effective, engaging presentations to today's diverse audiences to rev up sales, attract clients and fans, and secure funding. Visit PitchPerfectPresentations.com to schedule your complimentary strategy call with me today. That's PitchPerfectPresentations.com, PitchPerfectPresentations.com. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio with Kia Duplay, and we are um, just learning about Kia's story and her amazing organization, Free to Dream Big. Tell me more. How did you start? So you, it sounds like you were in a non, another nonprofit. You learned about running a nonprofit, and then you created your own. So h- how did that happen? And what is your mission? Um, yeah, so I was at another nonprofit program director. Um, and that's where I kind of really learned like the ins and outs of nonprofit. I also had a mentor, um, that was teaching me like business and things like that. Um, and the agency lost funding. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm not a grant writer. Like I can't really take on that aspect of things. Um, and so I just it was it was the best decision for me um, financially just to leave the organization when I did um, so that one, I was financially stable, but two, I didn't deplete the agency of the funding that they had remaining because of my salary. Um, and so it was a very like thoughtful decision to leave. Um, I'm very close with the the owner, the executive director of that agency till this day, um, which has also been one of my really great mentors in life in general. Um, and so like, yeah, that's how I ended up leaving that agency. And then during, I guess, during my sabbatical of me just kind of taking some time from just work, the day to day, um, I had worked for so many years at that point after me coming out of the life and, um, I really just needed time. Um, I really needed time to just evaluate things, really just think through just like what is happening. Um, around the time I found out I was pregnant with my baby boy. And so I just really wanted to sit back and just enjoy life for once and mm. ever. Um, and so as I was sitting back, I kind of just started to evaluate with my therapist, like, where's life taking me? What am I going to do with this bundle of joy that I have? Um, and just reflecting over all the things that I had been through. And one thing that continuously came up for me as I prayed, as I did my therapy work, as I did um, all these different, just like, self-healing things um to continue my journey it was just like everything I always dreamed about always got to say they everyone always told me like no that's impossible like you can't do that like that's someone else's wheelhouse you have to have this degree and that degree and Mm -hmm. you have to do all these different like 
extraneous things just to be successful. And I look back and I'm like, I became a program director without that. Like, how? I survived Mm. 100% of the things that I've been through. How? And so the last thing that I should be listening to is people telling me that the things that I want are impossible and that I can't access those things. Um, And so I started doing like this mapping and just like this thought planning, like three to six months, six to nine months, nine to nine months to a year, um, a year to two years, two years to three years, three years to five years, all the way up to 10 years. Um, and really mapping out like, what does the next 10 years of my life look like? Um, taking the time. And it took me about two months to really like think through those things. Um, and I always kept going back to like, I want to be in this work. I want to figure out like, how do how do I make it happen? Um, so I went to my business mentor and I was like, it's time. It's so time. Like, I'm like, I miss being at work on a regular basis. Um, I, I miss going out into the field, doing outreach. I miss have, working with participants. I'm, I miss it. Like, I just miss being out in the field, in the trenches and like, you know, helping people go to whatever, like, dreams that they they feel like they want to go to because it's not for me to decide what someone else's life looks like Mm -hmm. um and so that's how free to dream big was created it was just like time and thought and just figuring out how do i how do i empower people and so when all other agencies say you have to go do this and you have to check off this box and i'm like no here's a map let me show you how to make this map work for you um and so yeah i do outreach case management um referrals if needed um housing navigation um yeah what what, i don't know what i don't do at this point (laughs) i do a little bit of it all um and i really enjoy the work that i do um i am working on building up the capacity hiring on new people to support me in the work um and i'm ready to scale up like that that is like the dream the dream is to continue to scale up um and hopefully go to some other states some other cities and you know do the work wow and you're doing this in southern california or uh yeah where predominantly like in, in the la area yeah, predominantly in LA. Um, I will travel depending on what I'm working on. And then I do a lot of consultations throughout the state of California. Okay. And um, do you, uh, do you like go out to do outreach like on Figueroa or it, uh, like where, where are you, where do you typically yes. go? Yes. I okay, will go, go wherever I am called. I am not scared of anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's my problem i am not scared of anything like i feel like i, I, I don't understand. know my bad thought process my my intrusive thought is that i am invincible so mm. i will go wherever i am called um 
I, I'll go to Fig. I'll go to um, Western. I've been all the way down to San Diego. I've been to International. Um, I've been to the TLs out in San Francisco. Um, mm -hmm. Wherever I'm called, I'm going. Um, no hesitation. And then I also can do telehealth. So I'll get some calls from across the states um, asking for support. And I'm able to access some of my survivors, brothers and sisters and some agencies mm -hmm. that I know across the states um, to support in some of that casework as well. I love it. I absolutely. So we definitely will connect on doing some outreach together. Um, we're planning to come down to FIG um, to do some outreach and um, also Skid Row. Um, so in, you know, in the, in the coming months, um, we're opening an outreach center in January. Then we want to reach um, 15,000 people a year. Um, and so um, we definitely should, should touch base about that, but man, I, I'm, I'm so grateful for you and, uh, and um, for your passion for um, the hurting and the loss out there. I hear you when you say, you know, um, people have called me and it sounds like you're kind of similar. They call me fearless leader. And I say, I always tell them I'm fearless because I know what it feels like to be afraid. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's uh, it's not a foolish fear, fearlessness. I hope not. Um, but I, I just, uh, well, I know who, I know who's on my right and my left from the front mm -hmm. and the back of me and, 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 and covering That's me right. as I go. Um, and, um, I also am, uh, you know, believing that he'll, he'll do the same for you. So, and he's doing right. the same for you. Yeah. So, uh, all right, well, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk about how people can support what you're doing, um, a little bit about how they can contact you, your website, phone number, and all that good stuff. So we'll be right back. And thank you for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again have had just a great discussion here with our guest, Kia Duple. I feel very French when I say your last name. Duple. <laughs> Sure. Um, so people get in touch with you how can they support your work yes um you can go to my website free to dream big.org um you can email me at kia at free to dream big.org you can always reach out to the our cell it's our hotline cell 213-646-4499 um calls and texts are accepted yeah i'm accessible i'm here i'm ready <laughs> <laughs> yes, so we definitely will be pulling you in. Like I said, I'm I'm super grateful to be able to be connected to you. I'm so glad she introduced us and um and super um excited about the work you're doing. Thank you again for bringing your story uh, front and center so that more girls um and boys people uh, can get the care that they so very much deserve and need. Um so a couple other things going on in the community. Just wanted to thank those of you who came out for our Thanksgiving outreach in San Jose. 
we were able to um, serve 125 community members um, last last week with food, clothing, um, uh, toiletries, you name it. And uh, Mama Rose out there was so pleased that we came to join her. Um, for those of you who are not aware of who Mama Rose is, she is a member of the uh, San Jose community and she feeds about 700 people a week from a makeshift um, makeshift booth that she's created out of tarps and scrap wood. Um, you know, a woman who's 80 years old, who's got, you know, bad ankles and bad legs and can barely, you know, barely making it by, but makes a way to uh, serve 700 people a week uh, that are trafficked, that are homeless, that are mentally ill, that are, that have um, uh, substance abuse challenges. And, and, um, you know, I just, I, I think she is a remarkable um, matriarch in our community and so grateful for her. And she, she always talks about how much uh, she loves the Lord. So boy, she's, she, she is one of my fave favorites. So we were down there. Also want to thank uh, Maranatha, uh, thank um, um, uh, Vive, uh, uh, City Team Ministries, uh, Steeped Coffee, All Bay Area, Star of David, and all of the volunteers that came out, you guys are amazing. Thank you for being there. Oh, and One Flourish as well. Uh, also, I want to invite you now. We're going to be doing a Christmas outreach at the Love Never Fails Community Engagement Center in Hayward, which is 22580 Grand Street in Hayward. Cross Street is A Street. And we'll be there from 1 to 6 p.m. on the 23rd of December. So come on out. Um, and uh, be a part, uh, bring supplies, bring food, bring a store-bought food, uh, bring, uh, uh, you know, clothing, toiletries that we can hand out to uh, the same types of folks uh, struggling and having difficult circumstances, but who are looking for hope, looking for love, looking for support. And uh, we'd love to partner with you on that. So come on down. Uh, if you want to learn more about that, you can reach out to Sandy. That's S-A-N-D-Y at loveneverfailsus.com. Also, um, want to just invite you. Uh, it is Giving Tuesday season. Uh, we're in the process of raising uh, $10,000 to support our community outreach center. Um, uh, I'm sorry, our, our Love Never Fails Outreach Center. And so if you would like to support us, please go to our website and that's loveneverfailsus.com forward slash IT, uh, or I'm sorry, forward slash donate, getting ahead of myself. I uh, also want to encourage you, we are getting ready to wrap up our final quarter of IT biz on December the 18th. As you all know, we graduated 97 students um, early in November. So um, we want to Bring on some more. So if you want to sign up, um, let's not wait for New Year's resolution. Sign up today. If you want a career in customer service and sales and mentor uh, in um, entrepreneurship, in uh, technology or engineering, in data analysts, uh, analytics and data science, um, in um, project management. If you're interested in any of those pathways, sign up today. Go to loveneverfailsus.com forward slash ITBiz. The classes are free to you and um, you can actually receive Cisco certifications, AWS certifications, Microsoft, Agile, um, just a whole range of industry certs 
um, and certificates of completion for participating in our program. All right. Well, I want to uh, thank you all for listening in. Also wanted to just thank Operation Christmas Child um, for the work that they did. All of the packing that they did over the last couple of weeks has been tremendous. Shout out to Jason Gore on that. Um, and also wanted to um, just say uh, just a quick word. Um, want to let you know that um, our team is just so grateful for your prayers. We've been taking some heavy hits over the last couple of uh, weeks. We've had some losses in our community. And so if you see one of the Love Never Fails team members around, um, give them a hug. Tell them that they're doing a good job. Point at them and tell them you are loved. We need it right now. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. And as always, you might need it. You might need to hear it, too. So I always end the show just making sure that if you haven't heard it before, if you need to hear it again, always remember that you are loved. Thanks for joining us this week on Love Never Fails Radio. We trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and love and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at loveneverfailsus.com, by liking and sharing our Facebook page, Facebook slash Love Never Fails Radio, or by making a contribution directly to Love Never Fails. This program is the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, which is a donor-supported nonprofit ministry that Vanessa founded as a way of directly impacting the lives of young people who are trapped in or at risk of becoming involved in human trafficking. This broadcast needs your involvement and support. To find out more, simply go to loveneverfailsus.com and click on the radio show link. Today's program was brought to you in part by Case Industries, as well as supporters from Faith Fellowship, New Hope Christian Fellowship, and the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel. On behalf of Vanessa and the whole team at Love Never Fails, thank you for listening, and thank you even more for committing to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.